0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Moto Adventure Unscripted. Drew Faulkner, your host. Uh, this is coming on the uh, the coattails of uh, the last podcast recording, actually. It's kind of funny. I I had technical issues getting a podcast released. Uh, just having issues with my recorder and whatnot. So by the time that I got that working, it turns out I published the same morning that the, uh, the Harley Pan America release came out. Uh, so a lot of what I had... Uh, gnashed my teeth about uh had some interesting answers uh i still feel like a lot of that stuff is still open and there's a lot of that's to be seen um but to some degree some of my concerns were uh <laughs> get to be get to be dialed back a little bit so that's kind of nice so i i wanted to take a couple minutes talk about the new pan america release video um and and now that we all know something about the bike uh talk about some stuff that you know counters some points I made or, you know, reinforces or sets some issues at ease for me. And then uh, on top of that, uh, basically talk about some reactions. I'm not usually into like, oh, reaction videos, but at the same time, I, I, I feel like I have a unique perspective on this because up until probably today, I feel like the reaction has generally been that, you know, people are kind of like, ah, the, the Pan American's going to be fat or I'd never buy a Harley or whatever. And maybe I'm spending too much time hanging out in the comment sections with the trolls and maybe I just need to realize that real people are not the ones that leave comments. Maybe that's what's going on. But anyway, um, I, I guess the first I want to start out with, um, while I don't think I made it public in enough places or the right places, but I've still been watching the Pan America release, you know, with a lot of patience and interest. Um, I, I knew just from looking at it that it was a bike that had to be it had to pave the way of the future for whatever Harley Davidson is going to become if if they really think that they need to change the company turn it around and go in a new direction then then that bike is obviously at the forefront of that and it has to check a lot of boxes it has you know it's a really high bar to jump into the 1200cc adventure market and then on top of that be the anti Harley it, it had to come out and be everything that Harley Davidson wants to be but then again everything that's counter to the current image. Um, so I've, I've been waiting patiently and, and reserved any you know statements of, Oh, it's going to be heavy or it's going to be expensive or whatever. Now I'll, I'll admit I had a feeling that it was going to be an $18,000 bike just because that's about the bar where BMW has set or has set BMW has set the bar at that level. But, um, I, I didn't think that it would be as crazy as to be, you know, twenty-four grand or whatever it happened to be. So uh, I guess I should cut to the chase. Um, that you know, base models priced at you know just under just under eighteen, and then the the, the premium model without it's a key point without all the options is just under twenty, like dollars under twenty. Um, so it, it's a solid start, solid competitor. Um, but before I get into too much stuff about the bike, I want to talk about the video. Because um, I really put a lot of emphasis on in the previous podcast and their most recent blog post I put up that that Harley Davidson has got to change their image and they have to use the marketing machine. So I have to give kudos. You know, it's a twenty twenty five minute release video. Um, it starts out with a phenomenal promo that I think needs to be shown, and and, and I expect that you know they're going to cut out just that promo, and that's what's going to end up being on television and and you know and you know ads and whatnot that people see on on YouTube, and that's awesome. Um, I think that, um, I think Jason Momoa actually was, is the character that, uh, that does that promo. Um, and I admit that I'm a little, um, I guess I'll say a little poopy about the fact that it's a Hollywood actor, but at the same time he wanted to do a director's gig and apparently he's a motorcyclist. I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, and he's also not an old white guy. So I think that that's awesome. And and truth be told, after I watched it the second time, I'm like, yeah, the promo video on the front end of this is fantastic. You know, you can talk about it being empty or fake or virtue signaling, whatever crazy stuff. And that's fine. If that's how you feel, that's great. But I honestly, I think that that is the image that Harley Davidson has to promote as far as adventure motorcycles are concerned. And it has to stay on point like that for any other bikes that are going to get into that space. Um, and it, tying into that is that the video eventually moves into what I think adventure writing is. And I said in the last podcast, you know, but they start talking about, you know, all the stuff in the bike, but at the same time they keep going back to these scenes of riding the bike in the desert, riding an on-road, riding an off-road, and then, you know, sitting around a fire and having a conversation. That also is something that that needs to be said. Um, so like I said, the, the opening part of the video is, is stellar. Um, and then they get into the history of the bike and, Not so much the, they get into the history of the brand. So they talk about where Harley's been. And this is all the stuff that I'm like, you know, lamenting about in the podcast and going on about to some degree in the blog that Harley Davidson has been here. They have done this. And it just seems like they had abandoned that. So they spent a lot of time in this promo video talking about the way that it used to be. And they're really selling the, uh, we came from the dirt. We understand that. Um, I think that they don't mention the fact that the company forgot that. And I admit, I fast forwarded through a lot of that stuff. Uh, at some point I'll probably go back and watch the rest of it. And I'm sure lots of people should, but I really felt like the message wasn't for me. Yeah. That, you know, I'm, I'm on board with what they're capable of. Now they need to prove it. They need to remember what they forgot that they just weren't doing off-roady stuff anymore besides flat track. And even that has caveats next to it today. Um, And I do worry that a lot of the tone in the video, I feel like this is aimed at Harley riders to tell them we have roots that's in a different segment. And if you've always wanted to get into that segment, now's your chance to trade in your your traditional Harley for this new one. Um, I, I just I don't know maybe it's just me and, it, and, it, and you know it's a prism of my experience but I felt like the video was just more about like see we can do this rather than like we're building on top of this they say that but I think that history shows that to be a little different and I'm open and and welcome alternate opinions I would love to hear more of that I, as always send an email um uh, and I would like to know, you know, non Harley riders, how do they receive that part of the video, or you know, anytime anyone talks about that stuff, uh, I think it's important. Again, as a guy who you know puts a hallmark on getting a hundred percent out of your equipment, I'm not worried about what it was designed to do. I'm a, you know I'm concerned about what it can do, and uh, and you know being able to work on your own bikes. And like I said, the hallmark of simplicity and ease of ownership, like that's stuff that I'm, you know, that's real powerful stuff to me. So that old stuff while i'm sure we can talk about breaking down and whatnot but that's that's part of where they came from in a heritage that I think they need to stand on so that stuff's good um it, and the video starts to get in uh to the details of the bike itself um and i and i have to give him credit that as a guy who doesn't typically watch like a lot of reveal videos um i admit that i've never been really grabbed by oh i gotta watch him pull the cover off this thing in milan and I mean, I've gone to Triumph releases locally or whatnot, and I'm like, uh, I'm here to see the bike. And I actually think that they do a really good job of really getting into the you know deep details about design choices that were made and really focus on explaining all the stuff that they've added to this to make it competitive with all of, you know, frankly, all the 1200cc adventure touring bikes that are on the on the market right now. And to me, they're doing what I said they have to do. They, they've got people riding the bikes you know, through the desert and they're chasing it with drones or helicopters or whatever else it is. And they're again, on road, off road. And it's all the visuals combined with the actual designers and whatnot that are involved are are excellent. And talking about how high the bar was and how they wanted to do it their way and not copy the other brands and at the same time, you know, set stuff up. Um, And so uh, let me get into the bike a little bit and then circle back around to some of the other stuff from the video um as far as the bike's concerned like i said you know they're, they're pricing this base model you know under under eighteen thousand, um and i think everybody like i said earlier from the get-go is looking at that thing and it's like you know this is like bender from futurama like what is harley davidson doing and in the video they talk about it and i think it's it, it's dead on no one owns one of these yet no customer's gone out and bought those at least publicly but already this is an iconic bike uh rather you love this bike or you hate this bike you already know what it is and you know immediately and that, that that's huge you know it 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 is not and i hate to dog on suzuki but it it is not just another japanese cruiser it's not just another you know futuristic looking adventure bike from an unknown brand you know that everybody knows what this thing is from the moment they see it and I, that's a positive thing to me Aside from the aesthetic part of it uh, that we don't like, I I have to admit the thing looks a little bit better uh, as they start putting the hard luggage on that thing. Uh, they put auxiliary lights, and uh, it's amazing what a little mud can do to completely change your uh, your opinion of the way the bike looks. <laughs> so in, in general, just looking at it, I'm like, hey, you know, they, they've checked a lot of boxes. It, it looks to be something solid. I'm not going to sit there and poke holes at uh, a lot of crazy stuff. Um, uh, I'll give credit. Uh, Steve Comrade did make a, a, a statement about the way the skid plate looks with the uh, rectifier that's mounted on the front. Uh, I went back and when I watched through the video, I see that they have a, a reinforced skid plate that actually covers that in the actual video. So I'm not sure where that came from. Um, so that's something to be said about, you know, uh, maybe that's a uh, heritage <laughs> or just another thing of like cast rims, the base model. Well, no, the, the, the normal model comes with cast rims. So, you know, people can say, well, that's not very adventure but I still think that in the end, if you don't ever intend on taking this, this bike off-road... Cast wheels is an excellent decision, and I definitely think that either the base model or the, the standard should come with cast wheels, because people are going to want to you know carry just tire plugs and have tubeless tires all the time, so that's a good choice, so whether or not a, a skid plate operates, and and I'm going to reserve final judgment on that, I mean, just sit here and, and, and yak about what I think about a bike without actually having ridden it is brave in itself. To me, it's more about talking about the, the direction seems to look good, uh, and it's I don't want to say making me feel better, but I'm, I'm happy to see that it seems like they've been paying attention and they've been listening. So that stuff is good. And like I said, the suspension travel on the, on the stat sheet is like seven inches, which isn't particularly impressive. It's probably no KTM, you know, 1290 or whatever. But, but the reality is, is in that class of 1200 CC adventure bike, that's probably plenty for what most people are going to do. And obviously. They've done their best to try to trash the crap of it in all the promo videos so that people believe that it's something that they can actually do. Uh, let's get into something that, I mean, to me, the biggest piece of this is the engine. It's a brand new power plant, and they're going to put it in. This bike is the flagship, and then we know we're, I mean, I, I honestly think that this new Uh, revolution max engine is going to be the successor to what is the old evolution engine that's in the sportster and all of the new we'll say sportster type models and who knows what else is going to come from this Uh, and and it's super exciting when you read the article on revzilla by Andy Greaser he gets really deep into the details Um, I think it was like uh, uh, racer moto or motorcycle or something else there's another website that actually was a massive read I'll have to find the that article and put the link in the description but they they got into all of the materials and whatnot used so the new the new 1250 engine in the pan america is a stress member so the frame completely bolts to the engine Uh, and then on top of that you know they're talking about using you know magnesium and all this other stuff since it's obviously a liquid cooled engine we all kind of knew that just from looking at it there's no cooling fins on it Uh, they're saying that it has 150 horsepower and like 94 foot pounds of torque uh, so it's, it's, it's an undersquare engine so that they can rev higher. And I think somewhere, somewhere, I it something that's like 85, uh, well, 8,000 RPMs or higher. Maybe it was nine. I forget what it was. So I mean, all this is a big change from what we're used to with Harley-Davidson. So ideally, with that slightly oversquare engine, we'll find that this thing has you know, phenomenal mid-range torque, which is what I love so much about my 865 Triumph. Uh, and at the same time, this also has variable valve timing. So to me, it seems like uh, with the technology they put in it thus far, that I think that they're picking this to do it the Harley way, that they make a power plant and then they make it for many, many, many years and they may have incremental changes to it. um, But I would assume that variable valve timing, liquid cooling and a lot of other stuff is going to make this thing emissions compliant for a lot longer so that they have the ability to get more legs out of this thing, which is a good thing because we may see a, a 1350 or, you know, this technology trickle down and ideally they make, you know, an 800 or 900. I'll talk about that more in a few. Um, the other piece of this that I think is so huge is that I was going on and on about push rods um, and it, it really gets under my skin when people complain about how bad push rods are. Well, Harley Davidson called my bluff and, while it's a dual overhead cam engine, it's a four valve dual overhead cam engine, just like what's in my Triumph and any other, you know, modern motorcycle that you get these days, they put hydraulically adjusted valves in it. Uh, and to me is the guy that's, you know, worried about the direction they're going in and complaining about a guy who lived with just one bike and, and I want to ride every day and about how much work I have to do to it, or worse, what it costs to do a, a Desmo service on a on a Decati. You don't adjust valves in this bike, you know, uh, basically it's like your car, you're going to change oil and go. And I've not seen what the maintenance manual says, and I can't wait to see that, to see we know what oil changes and coolant and all that other stuff is. But basically they're saying, you know, you can buy a, a road glide and ride around the country and do nothing but change oil, or you can buy a Pan American ride all across the country paved or not, and not, and not have to do that. And that's, that's fantastic. There's even a, the the air filters washable, according to the article that I just wrote, uh, or excuse me, just read, but it, I can go into a rabbit hole about that. My, you know, my race bike versus my, my Honda and air filters, but still just think about that. Who, how many other adventure bikes have a washable air filter? Uh, that may be bad and we don't know that yet, but it's still, I'm just saying like they, they're doing things that are deliberately pushing the envelope in the adventure space with the very first adventure bike they ever made. And I, that that makes me feel uh, really good. There's, just, there's no way around that. Um, the the sound, I, listening to that thing, and obviously it's a 60 degree V-twin. Um, and there's I got in deep in the details about the engine, and they talk about the 90 degree firing order, which I assume is going to sound similar to the 270 degree firing order that's that's on my Triumph. Uh, but what I could hear in the video, assuming that that's real, it sounded fantastic. And naturally, they've already got a whole host of Screaming Eagle bolt whatever you want to it stuff. But to me, what I could tell from the video, I was like, that exhaust note sounds different, but still very Harley. Uh, so that, that stuff's exciting. Uh, they've got a, uh, moving on from the engine, they've got a touchscreen, uh, dash, they've got rider modes, uh, cruise control is standard. Uh, the suspension on the premium package, I guess it's the special that they've got, basically it's like semi-active suspension. Uh, they've got this new, uh, I forget what they call the feature, but basically, you pull up to a stop, and the suspension's going to lower the bike, you know, an inch or whatever it is, and then when you take off again, it picks the suspension back up. And this is huge for a whole bunch of people. And actually, I mean, to some degree, that's the Harley demographic. These people want to downsize to a lighter bike, but an adventure bike means a taller seat. Well, that's no problem. They took care of that. They're just saying, okay, that's no big deal. You pull up and slow down, then this thing's going to going to lower the suspension to make it easier for you to reach the ground when it matters, and then pick back up again when you're touring. I just, again, doing something new uh, that a lot of other people, well, a lot of other companies aren't doing right now, or they're not using, we'll say like Skyhook to set that up directly on the Ducati one. I know a buddy did something similar to that, but still they're, they're thinking about these things. Um, I think the spoke wheel option is like 500 bucks or whatever. Um, to me, that's kind of, it's irritating to not see it on a model for the same price off the floor. Uh, but at the same time, I still, you know, you're looking to spend $18,000 on a, on a bike like this. And I said it before, to, is this something that you plan on trashing? So, you know, I, I, guess it makes sense that if you have the money to, to maintain this bike after beating the crap out of it, what's 500 bucks for spoke wheels. So not necessarily a bad call. Uh, I'm sure people in the new 1290 drops tomorrow, uh, which was probably before this podcast will even get, get posted. There, you know, that's going to be a, a, a topic of conversation. So 19-inch front, 17-inch rear on the Harley. I almost guarantee it'll be a 2118, for, at least for the Adventure R version of the 1290. And, you know, spoke wheels will be standard because, well, KTM. Um, but still, there's that stuff. Uh, you know, they've got options for, you know, heated grips and luggage and all that stuff. It, it, as far as the bike's concerned, it, it, it looks the deal. It, it, it may be hideous as sin, as I said, you know, uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder when talking about KTM's. Uh, that's definitely the case here. But as far as what you can tell by watching a video, what I've seen in person from the model at, at IMS in Cleveland, it, it it looks the deal. And now the publicly released stat sheet, you know, I think they said this thing weighs five hundred and thirty pounds from the the standard model. But if you buy the special, you gain you know another twenty five or so. And it's totally in twelve fifty GS Adventure range. Uh, fuel tank is you know almost six gallons you know they're saying estimated fuel range should be at least 250 miles i pulled my calculator out and actually added it up when i was on my lunch at the office today uh it again all the all these things seem to look the deal um so i want to go back to the video a little bit i have a couple gripes about the release video um and it's irony in its own way the video is still full of old white guys and I, I get it. I mean that's the you know the catchphrase. They're like, okay, boomer, and you're and you're hurling old white guys or whatever. Um, and we live in this world of you know like the woke culture and stuff. And I won't even get into that. Um, and and I see it iron, ironic in two ways. Um, I'm I'm not really as big a fan as the two guys going out camping. And obviously one of them's the CEO and whatnot. That that those scenes seem forced to me. That that doesn't feel authentic. Now the guys that are the engineers that have done all this stuff to the bike. It, They're the real people that actually did it. So listening to them is fantastic. uh, But I really feel like it's important that, you know, who are these like, are these like pro racers that are out there jumping this thing off? Like, who are these other people? And I think that while I'm running my mouth about it right now, I have a feeling that, you know, a few months down the road, I think May, I think is when they're going to do like the first ride or, you know, they're going to do a first ride right before they hit dealership floors, or whatever they do, that, You know, ideally, we're going to get, you know, personalities that we all know from our our favorite media outlets to really talk about what they think. Um, And and the irony of this is the same is that, you know, it looks like a bunch of old white guys. Well, as as silly as that sounds or as much as we want to talk about diversity and young people, uh, that's kind of the target audience for this bike. Um, And my buddy Andy Janik made an excellent point that he's like, there's a whole bunch of Harley people that have touring bikes that would like to get in adventure riding, but they refuse to leave the brand. And so now they have an option. Uh, and with that, there's no doubt that there are people who have left Harley-Davidson because they want a lighter bike and they don't really sell one that's smaller. Um, I mean, my buddy Bud put that up on my uh, on my blog the other day. Like, you know, he wanted to downsize and there really is no option for that. And, he, and Harley has this culture of, well, you know, the Sportster's a girl's bike, so you can't do that. So they leave and they go they go buy a 1200GS or an 850GS or whatever. So now Harley has something on that brand and that's that's a big deal. Um, and I guess that circles back to... Uh, what I felt like was probably going to be my final point was that, I mean, for $18,000, 20000 and the way that I use and abuse equipment, I, you know, I, I would have a bike worth nothing before I would actually pay off a payment if I, if I bought one. So I can't qualify the purchase, but I can say that because I know how much I love V twin engines, uh, you know, like I've listed publicly elsewhere, you know, like the, uh, the Moto Guzzi V85 TT. I rode that bike, and I was in love with it almost immediately. Uh, on the stat sheet, it's probably not the best bike, but you know because it has cruise control and a, and a host of other stuff. That would be a phenomenal adventure touring bike for me. And I just, I can't get enough of the character shaft drive V twin vibrates like crazy at a stop sign, but totally floats away, has more power than my, my scrambler does, even though it has less, you know, less displacement, that kind of stuff. I, I love it. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be into this bike, but it's, it's a ways off before I can go. Yeah, I'm going to throw down money and I'm going to get this bike because I like to get deeper in the woods and you know, it's still 520 pounds you know 530 pounds so that's still a big deal but it's definitely a touring bike that i'm looking forward to riding and putting it next to let's say an africa twin or like i said that v85 tt and and ask myself which one of these bikes actually speaks to me so that's that's a a big thing and i'm looking forward to that and and i hope more people that listening are too that are just open to that even though hey they're gonna spend the money but i say go ride it and find out what you think of it Uh, but but more importantly some people are going to flock to this thing and and put down the money and buy it. And that's the direction that, or this is the point where I'm concerned about the direction of which where's Harley going. Um, I was worried, as I said in the last podcast, that they've been backpedaling on a lot of the other bikes and a lot of the other details. Um, And and if they want to trim back on, you know, kids' bikes and battery, battery bikes and whatnot, I don't necessarily, I, I can't say either way if that's a good plan. Uh, I, I could go on for several minutes about how I feel about the live wire, um, but it seems like they're on board with this bike. So I'm hoping that they can sell a bunch of these and we get you know an 800 or a 950 out of the deal. Um, tied to the stuff that I just said in the video, they show the 1200 or 1250 custom at least twice. So they're already hinting they're going to make that bike and sell it. And that's a good thing. I'm still curious where they're going with the Bronx and maybe they're, maybe they're slowing down on that because they're want to make sure that, you know, they've got the horsepower and the weight and all that other stuff, right. To go into, we'll say street fighter territory. I don't know. Uh, I I'm still fearful, but you know, because of everything I've seen in this video, I'm like, well, they're, they're, they're stepping off with the right foot here. They could polish some things to make them a little bit better, but you know, they're, they're definitely talking the right talk. So then that's the next step from here. They have got to get the dealerships on board. They have the bike. And I think it's probably going to do the thing. Well, we'll see. I mean, I, we don't know that yet, but still, I, I think that, you know, we can put this thing up against the, that, super Tenere array and, and a host of other 1200 adventure bikes. And it's going to be a great value and, and tick a lot of boxes for a lot of people. I would assume that it's a better adventure bike than the Versys 1000 is every day, the week, and twice on Sunday, except when we're talking about pavement. Um, but the people at the dealership have got to be invested in this. Um, and like I said about some of the, the forced stuff that's in the, you know, very beginning and not very beginning, but in early in the video, and definitely the very end that, it, that, that, Culture, I don't feel like it's completely sold on it. But if everybody in the dealership is on board with welcoming these new people, then that's going to help. Um, and then there are going to be people like me that are like, "Well, I'm not ready to spend twenty grand, but when one comes around, you know, and the twelve thousand dollar range, you know, that's awesome." So I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, like I said, I'm still I'm still reserved. I'm still concerned, but I am I'm really impressed with what I saw come out today. Uh, and and I hope that the motivation for making this work you know, bleeds into the dealership network so that people are ready to support that. I hope people buy these in droves so we can get a middleweight adventure bike and frankly really put influence and really reach those younger riders. Cause right now this is still out of the reach for a lot of people. Um, and while I could probably financially manage it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I'm looking forward to riding one regardless. So, uh, that's a lot of me talking, uh, about a bike that, uh, nobody's ridden besides uh people on the special list so let me know what you think you know did you watch the video um do you care uh are you excited did they did they change you know your opinion of what what you expected you know (laughs) did i tell you something that you hadn't thought about before or whatever so you know hit me in the email moto at gmail.com send me a message on instagram same handle moto 80 on instagram or whatever and uh, let me know what you think's going on um, and if nothing else obviously i appreciate folks listening to me blab and then like i said i got some interviews on tap so hopefully we'll have those out soon and uh, if nothing else we'll catch you guys down the road